Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. Like a teenager getting woken up at 6am, I just want to roll over and pull the Supercoach doona over my head. But it's January and that means it's time to start thinking of the upcoming season. Here with me is the dad who is yelling, wakey, wakey, rise and shine at me when planning this podcast. It's Will. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you responded to me. But look, it's a new year and with it always, I'm always like, I think it's time we start looking at 2023, the upcoming season, start looking at Supercoach again. I think it's been a good break though. I'm glad we've had a, a little bit of a break. Definitely a, a, such a grueling season last year. I know a lot of them are, but um, look, I know I joke, but I am starting to get a little bit itchy again and and mainly because the uh, you know the format is being shaken up so much with the 17th team and all the buyers. Yeah, and I, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around how I'm going to approach that. And so it's good. That'll give us plenty to kind of dig through in the preseason and no doubt we're going to dissect that in a lot of detail in the coming weeks. But look, I think to dip our toe back into the Supercoach waters, so to speak, I mean, I've had a bit of a break. I know we were initially going to you know, try come up with some off-season content and do a little bit of reflection on 2022 and all that type of stuff. But in the end, I think life got real life got in the way for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we never got our act together, unfortunately. I blamed that on me. I was super busy with work and stuff like that, which is you know, probably not a bad thing. But I don't know if you've had a chance to play with the team picker, but I'd I've only made one team. How about yourself? I've played around with it a little bit. I can't say I've made the full 25. And, and part of that is experience because who are the five rookies? Who are the seven rookies? Who are the three rookies who get named uh, in round one teams? And, and just, you know, if it's three, if it's five, if it's six, that completely breaks your team depending. So, you know, the, I, I don't put too much stock in, in going kind of the full 25 to see what that looks like. Just because I've done that so many years running and it never seems to uh, to remotely resemble uh, where I end up uh, come Teamless Tuesday. But I do have a handful of, uh, of guns in there and kind of people that I think might, um, you know, punch above their weight in the coming year, mate. So happy to talk through some of them through this pod. Yeah, I think that's always a good place to start because I don't know about you, but I always start off by looking at the most expensive players and thinking, well, where am I going to find the money to fit all these guys in? And you bring up the really good point of, well, we don't know how many cheapies we're going to get, so don't plan too far ahead on, you know, to have all of these most expensive players from, you know, and, and they're most expensive because they did really well in the previous season. So, you know, every year we kind of look back at the lessons from the previous season. And I, I believe one of the ones that we really took away from 2021 into 2022 is, I think you hammered this home multiple times in, in the previous off-season. But Don't start with Turbo. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that, that was one, not specifically Turbo. It was more, I think the point you brought up was, you know, what has to go right for a player to be able to, you know, live up to their average from the previous season. And obviously that means living up to their price tag for round one. And I, I think that's a really good point that I've always, you know, it's always guiding me in terms of, well, I want to start with someone expensive, you know, why are they that price for starters and what has to go right for them to be able to match that or better that if possible. So I thought let's start off by looking at 2021's top averaging players and hence the most expensive 10 players for 2022 and kind of review, well, how did they actually start off the year? And I think what lessons can we take away from that to before we dive into 2023's most expensive players? 
So, I mean, maybe I'll throw it back to you. Do you remember who were the most expensive players that started round one, 2022? <laughs> well, I remember that Turbo was a half million dollars more expensive than Teddy. I do remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He was the most expensive player. And the wild thing is Teddy was the fourth most expensive player for round one in 2022. So it's, it's a bit of a gap, but we'll, we'll remind everyone of Turbo's 2021 where he averaged 143.3, hence the ridiculous price tag. He was followed by Cleary at 108.3 as the second most expensive player. Then dropping down, we've got Garrick. He averaged 87.5 in 2021. Teddy at 86.7. Dave Fafita at 85. Brian Toto 84. And then rounding out the top 10, Cody Walker 83.8. Latrell 82.2. Uh, Daily Cherry Evans 79.3. And Ryan Pappenhausen at 79.2, which is wild considering and, you know, throwback. I mean, he had such an interrupted. 2021 that still let him finished the season with 79.2 as his average the 10th highest averaging player for that year so those were our 10 most expensive players to start off this year i mean we know what happened with turbo right look he only managed to play four rounds before he got hurt averaged 63.5 in those four rounds and he only made seven games across the season and he lost five hundred thousand dollars roughly across those seven games we don't need to reflect too much on that right i think you know even with Turbo being fit and healthy and managing and not copying those injuries, he was never going to be able to live up to those ridiculous heights of 2021. I think that's pretty safe to say, right? We said that all off season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, at a, at a sub kind of premium gun level, someone like a Dane Gagai uh, would have been the same where a lot of people were considering him in the start of the preseason last year because he was, you know, so amazing on that left edge for South, but new club, and, you know, just wasn't getting that delivery. So, yeah, it, that's the kind of lens in which I, or the philosophy in which I kind of pick my guns to start the year. I look for those injury-affected scores, the, you know, the 22 like Paps got in Magic Round 2021 before getting injured and, and, and really negatively affecting that overall pricing. And, and we probably have a couple of those uh, in this top 10 for 2022, which, again, I'm more keen on than some of the others. Yeah, and and this is where uh, again, like looking into the top averaging players from the previous season is always really interesting when you reflect. Well, what happened for the first five rounds? Because you can look at the end average, like you know, someone like a Nathan Cleary, averaged one hundred eight point three in twenty twenty one. Then you know, in in twenty twenty two, still did really really well, right? But come end of season, like it wasn't. You know, you kind of think, well, was it worth starting with him? Well. We know in 2022 it wasn't because he missed the first few rounds, but was it worth jumping on straight away and things like that? But you look at Cleary, he didn't play to round four. His first five games averaged 97.6 and he actually went up $69,000, which was a really nice price rise over his starting price. And you know that's largely due to two back-to-back 150-plus scores. So I think when you look at someone like that, where Cleary's got a ridiculously high average, he was still really expensive, but he was actually worth starting with. Uh, you know, as as soon as you could get a hold of him, basically. Has that changed your thought process at all when thinking about someone like a Nathan Cleary for 2023? So he ended up, you know, averaging 79.9 in 2022. So it makes him a lot more affordable to start off with this year. The, um, the pace of the game dropping off significantly, which is why I don't think we'll ever see another 143 average, you know, ever again, uh, can, you know, contributes to him being a lot more affordable. And, and look, the point I think a lot of people were making with Cleary uh, last off season was that he was 
what, 15, 20 points clear of the next kind of competitor at halfback. Now, we don't have that this year with Nico Hines, but I think with injury-affected and uh, uh, scores and even suspension-affected scores and scraping some rust off in a game or two there for Cleary, I think he is underpriced as opposed to Nico Hines and no spoiler to, to you know suggest that he's in the top 10 point scorers for 2022 as well. I just think there's a bit more growth in Cleary and I don't think he's anything less a, a captaincy option in the premium gun bracket. Yep, I, I think that's absolutely spot on and, and definitely Cleary is one of my key targets, which we can probably come back to a little bit later. Just over the other, you know, top 10 from 2022 in terms of price uh, for round one, I'll just quickly summarize. I mean, Ruben Garrick, I think you know, he was very much tied to Tommy Turbo in terms of his ridiculous average. He averaged 50.4 over the first five rounds, lost 130,000 by that by the end of that round. Uh, Dave Fafida, he averaged 85 in 2021, dropped to 69.2 in the first five rounds. For 2022, only lost 59k and actually started going up back again. So he wouldn't have been a bad option to start off with for 2022. And that was something, uh, if you did start with him like myself, you really had to make it through those first few rounds before that started paying off. So I do know the pain of a lot of super coaches who traded him out just before he started going on that upward trend again. Brian Toto was another popular guy that you know we loved in 2021. He only averaged 44.8. Over the first few rounds, uh, lost 154,000 by the end of round five. And actually, by the end of the following round, he'd lost 192K, basically. That's a, a huge drop. And I mean, I think he might be something, someone that uh, a lot of us are interested in because he is a lot cheaper compared to where he was in round one, 2022. It's all about which wing he starts on, I think, with Tyler. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And no doubt we'll, we'll have to unpack that in terms of working out what his averages were on each wing and all that type of stuff. I think, you know, the, the trend with 2021 was obviously some of these guys were just absolutely ridiculous in terms of averages because of the attacking stats they had. Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, both in the top 10, 6th and 7th. Cody averaged 32.8 over the first five rounds, lost 202,000 by then. And at, by the end of round seven, he lost 271,000 from his starting price, which is just wild. Uh, I think a few of us saw that coming because of obviously the, the expected drop in attacking stats and the tough draw the Rabbitohs had early on. The trail was a little bit interesting because he'd started off slow, uh, 52.8 in the first four games, including actually the, the 22 in his round four, sorry, round five game when he got hurt and then he disappeared for ages, went off to the, the US, got his hamstrings magically fixed and came back and just blitzed it for the rest of the season. But that was certainly... Uh, you know, it was a slower start for him. How do you see Latrell looking for this year? He's someone I'm very interested to start with. Yeah, I mean, as always with Latrell, it's it's not so much the issue of when he's on the field, it's his reliability both with suspension and injury. He's had more than his fair share of those in the last, I think, three years. You know, he's got the goal kicking, which helps pop up. Souths proved once they finally kind of got the machine going um, kind of from mid-season on that um, they will score points. So, yeah, I think he's an intriguing option when you've got so many question marks over the other premium fullback options. I think in a really weird way, he might be kind of the solid dependable pick, as silly as that sounds, <laughs> to start the year. Oh, 2023, hey? Yeah. <laughs> I never thought those, would come out, those words would come out of your mouth. <laughs> I know. New leaf, new leaf, Will. Yeah, New Year's resolution. Do not crap on Latrell Mitchell's name. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> yep. 
And uh, look, one name that I'm really interested to hear your take on. So James Tedesco, fourth highest average. Uh, he started off 2022 averaging 59.2 over the first five rounds. He actually lost 76K by then. And then by the end of round seven, he'd lost 149,000, which is, you know, two more rounds. And he didn't score badly at all. I think he put up 60s, 70s, 80s in those couple of rounds. But that's a huge drop. And that was at an 86.7 starting price uh, tag average. And look, you know, we've got some numbers and stuff like that already, but I'm, I'm not talking about the price he's going to start with for 2023 yet because, I mean, I expect those numbers to change because of the new salary cap and everything like that. So I think it'll just adjust. But yeah, just focus on the averages there. It was definitely a sharp drop. And, and one of the things that we were all talking about at the start of 2022 was, you know, Teddy had that delay to the start of his preseason, that stem cell procedure that he had in October, which meant he didn't even start running until January. Obviously, he's been playing footy, though, <laughs> with the World Cup, but he hasn't gone back to Roosters preseason training, I don't believe. Uh, a lot of these World Cup stars aren't starting until, like, this week or next, basically. Do you have any concerns about Teddy? I mean, he's one of the more expensive guys for 2023. How do you see him as a round one option? Look, you know, I, I used to map this out uh, a lot more when, you know, World Cups were being played and, it, it, you know, and there weren't pandemics and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, people who went deep into kind of what, mid-November, the World Cup finished up, that's usually when players report to pre-season training. So, you know, it's a brutally long season and Teddy's got a lot of miles in his legs. He's kind of passed all of the lower leg injuries from early in his career, but I would start to worry about the accumulation of wear and tear on him. He start, you know, that being said, he did finish quite strongly from a super coach perspective, but, you know, I do wonder that the days of Teddy kind of being the overall top or second top scorer in super coach might be gone now as he defers a little bit more to Joey Manu, to Suali'i in attack for the Roosters as well. So the Roosters lived and died for many years through Teddy. I don't think that's the case anymore. So so I do wonder if, you know, the top end, the ceiling for Teddy uh, gets blunted a little bit, even assuming that he doesn't kind of lose 2 or 3% just from the fact that he's getting up there in age and got lots of miles on the clock. And it's interesting you say that because he finished in terms of average. That's I mean, and taking out like one game as like Richie Kenner and, and Sean Russell, he's the sixth highest averaging player for 2022, finishing with that 79.5 average. So he's obviously starting off quite expensive for 2023 relative to the other players. I think that's something to note. Like he, he's obviously got that durability behind him and we can't discount that. But Certainly in terms of that ceiling, it seems a little bit more capped, as you point out, like when you've got hero ball going on with Joey Manu there and, and the ongoing development, I imagine, for your, your Joseph Suali'i types. And, you know, Sam Walker probably takes more and more ownership of that Roosters team. I can imagine he's just going to take some of Teddy's stat- attacking stats and Teddy can choose to take a backseat when he when he doesn't you know have to step up and, and, and try take over a game like he does from time to time or he did a lot more often yeah in previous seasons when he didn't have those other established stars to to hand the reins over to basically so and he's a specialist fullback so anyone who kind of is worried that back in the day Anthony Minicello Roger Tuivasa-Shek kind of splitting between wing and fullback and that really affected Minicello's super coach output Teddy will stay at fullback it's not like Sue Lee, he's gonna you know start 
eating into um, his role there. But I just think as a focal point of the attack, it's it's just not going to be the same anymore. I think if if you had to pick a random Roosters player or a an anonymous Roosters player to get 180, I would say that more people would suggest that that person would be Joey Marnie than, than Teddy. Which is, it's. I mean, I love Joey Marnie, but that's still wild to me. Like, I think you still it's generally wild. have to back the fullback, yeah. you know, who's going to touch it that many times, but... Yeah, obviously, Joey Manu showed that he can certainly take over the game from any position, even when it's not the one he should have been playing. <laughs> Let's not forget Teddy was, uh, you know, an international centre for Italy many, many years ago. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. Yeah, well, he's played in a few World Cups now, Teddy. And, and look, that's something that I think... You know, the Roosters and the Storm are at the forefront, were at the forefront of kind of the players starting to rest through origin periods and and all of that kind of stuff. So I think Robbo will kind of try and manage Teddy as best he can through a year. But again, NRL players age in dog years and when the cliff comes, it can be steep. I'm certainly not saying that Teddy's there this year. But I just think it felt to me like he he started to show a little bit of his age last year, and again, it didn't necessarily affect his super coach output too much. But um, but I think we're not at the end of the road for Teddy as a super coach superstar. But we can probably see it from where we're standing. Yeah, and and to your point, it doesn't mean he's not going to finish top ten this year or anything like no, that. No, no, not at all. You know, you talked about the top one, two, three overall finishes, and and it could be that Teddy doesn't quite make it this year. And that's not necessarily rules him out as a round one option because you might just want that durability, that dependency there that you know he's going to play more games than not and still have a really strong floor because he's so involved. But yeah, I, I take your point that you know that ceiling may be a little bit lower than previous seasons, basically. And just really quickly to round out the uh, top uh, priced players for 2022, uh, Daily Cherry Evans averaged 79.3, uh, started off with a 66.2 average in 2022 so actually really really consistent only lost for 35,000 so he could have been a very viable option that you could have started with but ultimately because of the overall drop in attacking stats for the for you know for the NRL and especially for the Seagulls with their tries dropping by so much DCE did obviously average a lot less this year now Ryan Pappenhausen probably a good name to finish up this review in and jump looking ahead to 2023 he, like I said, he was the 10th highest averaging player in 2021, starting off at a 79.2 average and price tag. So he came out flying as we expected him to. Average 92.2 in the first five rounds and went up by 164,000 by the end of round five due to massive scores of 170, especially 193 in round four, which he did as my captain. So that was always nice. But yeah, we, we know all about how injury has just absolutely crueled his potential now he is obviously finished the season averaging 90.3 only played 12 games before unfortunately his kneecap was just absolutely shattered the latest at this point in time keeping in mind this is you know the first week of 2023 we have heard some pretty bad news his rehab's not going well he's not even running yet takes part on very limited team gym activities doesn't get to do any squatting work and he's been sent to the U.S. recently, I believe. So see the same specialist that uh, Tommy Turbo uh, has also gone over to see and also uh, Latrell Mitchell uh, obviously had a lot of success seeing the same team of specialists. But yeah, like that all points to not very positive thoughts for Ryan Pappen as indeed most expensive player for 2023. Matt, it doesn't. His game is so dependent on short area 
quickness and you know you need two healthy kneecaps for that you need a quad muscle <laughs> yeah you need all the soft tissue uh you know working in concert uh the way you need it to in your lower legs um to be going properly but look it, it's a worry i don't know what that means for cam munster i, I think it meant good things in 2022 from a super coach output uh, perspective but again you know when it comes to these guys you mentioned you know dce everything broke right for him in 2021 what has to go right for him to replicate that stuff well of course things you know not everything went right in 2022 so again look at that with with a pappenhaus and does does his recovery have to go absolutely perfectly and then he has to have the confidence because remember he's such a confidence player is he going to come back to round one by some miracle he's named you know in round one with that kind of confidence and and when you're when you're priced at a north of a 90 average, that's a pretty scary proposition and makes him a no-go for me. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this stage, I don't think he's going to be named for round one. And look, obviously, if he's not named round one, it's a pretty easy decision. But if he is named round one, I still think I'm going to stay away, barring some sort of miracle recovery over the next few weeks. I mean, it's just hard to see him playing any sort of footy before round one, let alone actually round one itself. So for me, he's off the board, basically, at the moment. and, And, you know, we all know I'm a Ryan Pappenhausen super fan, so that's breaking my heart to have to say something like that. But yeah, it's just, I mean, it's too too expensive, right? Yeah. Even though he's still arguably undervalued based on his potential output that he was dishing out before he got hurt. Indeed. Hey, fellas. This episode of Supercoach Champions is brought to you by our favorite producers of ball trimmers, Manscaped. Global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have left 2022 with a clear mind and clean balls. Manscaped wants to help you do so as well with this special offer. Use the code CHAMPIONS for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Launch into 2023 and join the 7 million men who already trust Manscaped. Look, 2023 is here already and the last thing you want to be is the guy with pubes getting in your way of making it your best year yet. Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. This new year, shave off the loose pines off your wood with the best tool for the job, the signature Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. It's here to take down every pube in its path. And that's just the Lawnmower 4.0. Then you've got the Weed Whacker taking care of the wild weeds in your nose and ear. And you've got the Crop Server and the Crop Reviver, giving you the confidence to know that your balls are being taken care of all day long after a smooth shave. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant that's going to keep your boys feeling nice and fresh. And then you've got the Crop Reviver, which is a spray-on ball toner for your balls, featuring soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts for protection. And right now, this hygiene bundle closes out with not just one, but two free gifts. Super comfy Manscaped anti-chafing boxes that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day, as well as a shared travel bag to store your new favorite package. I'm all in on confidence and smelling good this year. So join me with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping using the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CHAMPIONS. Happy New Year to your balls. Uh, You mentioned his name before, uh, Cam Munster. Look, he was the fourth highest averaging player, uh, average 80.6. I think you know it's a it's a it's a convenient segue to him because of obviously the Pappenhausen factor. We know part of the reason Munster did quite well for his average is he got to play a fullback a, a bunch and he did very well at fullback. Uh, on top of obviously very well at five eighth, but 
uh, for super coach, he's a, a beast when it comes to fullback. Just so many hit ups, and, and that obviously comes with plenty of tackle bus offloads, and yeah, just his involvement skyrockets. I think if for whatever reason he ends up playing fullback uh, in in round one or early rounds while Pappenhausen's out, he really you know gets to top two or three priority status uh, for me. Even though uh, he's got a quite quite a hefty price tag there, how do you see Munster for round one potentially? Well, as long as he's not goal kicking, because that's a negative <laughs> for Munster. My God, that man! Uh, but look, he. I would say for the middle part of the season, he was the best player in the world. And I don't know, you know, who could really argue that. He was in the form of his life. Coincided, obviously, with a lot of Melbourne Storm injuries, um, but he's a guy that can pick a team up on his shoulders and, and kind of carry him anywhere. But but that kind of odd little Nick Meany, Cam Munster swap that they had going, it, a little bit of growing pains to it, but Munster really grew into the role at fullback and he can just do anything anything he wants um, uh, from that position. So, yeah, look, priced at 80, which would be the fourth most expensive player, it, clearly you're paying top dollar for him. But if it looks like he's going to realistically start there, even if he's got a six on his back, he might be one of the first named in, in the search busters. Yep. So the second highest averaging player, you mentioned his name before as well, but Nico Hines, 85.8 for the season. I mean, you know, Dally M winner. So <laughs> it's hard to argue with his influence on the game and also obviously on the stat sheet for Supercoach purposes. It's it's hard because, I, you know, we love Nico. We love, we, we love Nico on this podcast. We talk about him a lot. But I actually find myself kind of staying away from him. Well, didn't it feel like everything went right for him last year? Almost, yeah. It, it, it definitely had that kind of feeling like a big part of the Sharks' success was they had a really easy schedule. Hmm. And there's plenty of games against, you know, for, for them, like Nico definitely averaged better against the, the bottom eight teams and the Sharks played a lot of them, basically. <laughs> I think that's a, a key thing for me. I mean, I think that that feeling we all had definitely is there for for, for Nico just benefiting from all of those, those easier matchups. Yeah, and look, he's a, don't get me wrong, Classy player, classy guy. You know, love the bloke. He's 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 an you know great ambassador for the sport. But he's probably on the Mount Rushmore for Super Coach of how is he on eighty points? You know, at halftime or or something where you're watching a game and he just doesn't seem like he's really influenced it that much. But he's gotten every attacking stat. He's you know all of that kind of stuff. So I, I wonder if you know, from a law of averages with the, and let's not go into the gray area of super coach scoring, but but there was probably a lot of generosity, you know, given with, with some of the, the try assists and stuff like that last year for Nico, not in a controversial way, but just, you know, he got a lot of ones that were maybe 60-40s, 70-30s and stuff like that. And I just do wonder that there has to be some regression to the mean because outside of having a bit of a wobbly boot for the first few rounds, I, I can't think of, anything that just didn't go perfectly for him last year. Yeah, just to actually put some numbers to what I was saying, he averaged uh, 63.8 against the top eight teams and he only played the top eight team eight times and a whopping 97.5 average in 15 games against the bottom eight teams from 2022. So, I mean, it's always hard to compare bottom eight to and top eight for the from the previous season and bringing that forward because you know how much an NRL changes, but... Right now, based on the top eight, bottom eight for 2022, the Sharks played three top eight teams straight up. And also one thing that we have to start thinking about is when these gun players have their buys and Nico will have his buy in round six. 
So potentially over the first five, six rounds, you, you're getting potentially a, a lower average if he's going to hit, you know, 63.8 or something around the 60s and 70s compared to obviously you're going to pay a top dollar 85 plus average for him to start off with round one. So it's always tough because then you think, well, this is his second season, second preseason with his current team. He's, you know, the Sharks are largely unchanged. There's a lot of, you know, consistency with their spine and everything like that. So there are certainly positives from a narrative standpoint, but across the numbers, there's a lot of question marks for me. And I'm not saying he's off my board at all, but I, I, right now, I mean, maybe we'll jump to <laughs> this next guy. He's fifth overall on the price tag, but it's Nathan Cleary, 79.9 average from 2022. And, you know, we've highlighted, like you spoke to it before, he had a very disrupted season uh, through you know, obviously off-field and uh, suspensions and also, you know, suspensions on the field with obviously a pretty pretty full-on end uh, to his year, unfortunately. Well, there's there's a four in his average. Yeah, that too as well. Which is, you know, uh, obviously the send-off. But, you know, when you only play 14 games, um, you put four in that average that significantly lowers what he was going to be priced at. So... You know, I just think he's too good a value uh, with with less risk and more pedigree uh, than Nico at the same position, and, and Nico doesn't have the duel anymore. Yeah, I mean, when you do remove the four, he uh, jumps up to an eighty five point eight average, and I mean, even arguably, like remember, he was coming back from uh, a pretty significant injury, and uh, we spoke about it, like rounds four and five, his first two games, his run numbers and tackle numbers and everything was down, so. I mean, not, not to cherry pick the numbers because obviously 85.8 is still a really strong average, but if you did remove those two games, he jumps up again to 93.1 and yeah, it just keeps going up basically if you yeah. if you dig into a season a little bit more. So I think for me, like if, if you had to pick one, um, I, I know that a lot of super coaches are looking at both, but for me, if I hadn't had to pick one, I, I'm definitely going to lean you know, just that little bit cheaper for Nathan Cleary. And that sounds wild to be saying that right at halfback when he's not the most expensive option there. Yeah, and look, you know, and I, I don't want to be accused of hypocrisy because Nathan Cleary's got just as much miles on his legs in recent seasons as Teddy does, but he's, you know, a fair whack younger. He's, he's four, maybe five years younger uh, than Teddy. So I think um, he, he's not going to be affected by the World Cup kind of miles in the legs and obviously had that lengthy suspension with a, with only 14 games last year. So... So yeah, I think um, I think in terms of the what went right, I think almost everything, if not everything, for Nico, and a lot, a lot went wrong for Nathan Cleary. So I'm tipping those kind of one and two to be swapped uh, in 2023. Yep, uh, kind of with you there as well. So moving on, the third most expensive player to start for this season is Latrell Mitchell, average 84.5 at the end of the season, hence his old reliable. Old reliable Latrell Mitchell. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so look, we, we kind of talked about it before, but obviously he had a, a bit of a slow start uh, up until his injury. And then just to remind everyone, when he came back in round 16 after being, you know, having gone to the US and getting his treatment and all of that conditioning and, and coming back looking 
noticeably fitter, but he comes back and blasts a 97.2 average for the remaining 10 or so games, I believe, for that season. I mean, 97.2 is obviously a huge number, but it almost is more impactful when you read out the scores. 99, 93, 136, 99, 52, 152, 115, 105. Like that, that, they were the first eight games on his return. So that's insane. Yeah. And it's not, it's something we've never really seen from Latrell, that level of consistency. He's previously been such a rocks and diamonds guy, but with the goal kicking, obviously raising that, that low floor of his due to his involvement, the fact that he really does, you know, so much good comes off what he does for the, for the Rabbitohs team. So uh, he just, you know, he has no choice but to inject himself sometimes, especially when, you know, say Cody Walker's losing his head or he's going, going you know, having a hot and cold day himself. So Latrell has to step up and do something. And he definitely did that. So, you know, 84.5 is really expensive. But when you put it in the context of, you know, 97.2 when he was back from the US and, and fit and all that type of stuff, I guess the question mark is, is how did he go, you know, traveling around Europe for the World Cup and all of that type of stuff? Oh, look, you know, I think he was in pretty decent shape. But um, look, that is obviously a risk with Latrell and it'll take a few seasons before, you know, that justified fear kind of goes away if, if he maintains that fitness. But I mean, look, the call out for me, we're going through these individual players, but, you know, we haven't spoken about anyone who isn't a half or a fullback yet. So obviously we're well past the days where, you know, forwards were the gods of super coach, but there are still a couple of forwards in this top 10 list. Well, I'll, I'll give you your pick of any in that list that you want to talk about, but sick of talking about the flashy guys. <laughs> Look, the most expensive forward is Isaiah Papali. He averaged 79 for the season. You know, he was dual position last year, which is, you know, obviously that was so good because we could stash him in the front row forward, but it, we know he played 80 minutes on the edge pretty much every game for the Eels. I mean, we love ice, but... We know he's at the Tigers now, and uh, at this stage, I, mean, I think we're expecting him to get 80 minutes in an edge, but there's certainly some question marks about how that's all going to shake out for him, right? We just don't know. Yeah, and look, it's pretty lazy analysis to just say he's gone to the Tigers, so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know RIP, ice. But, I'm not saying um, that. I'm not saying that. <laughs> as a super coach, you know, uh, uh kind of consideration but who knows how the Tigers are going to to line up you know even when he was the premier super coach forward in the comp and in many ways the premier forward in the comp full stop he still rotated through the middle pretty often for Parramatta there was a a three-game stretch where he's actually named in the 13 in the middle of last year and, and did play reduced minutes so you know there is a world in which he rotates through the middle or plays full time in the middle, and I just think that he's just priced too much for that. You know, you need him on that edge, getting those attacking stats for him to start in the round one team. Because you know the first three rounds until the prices change are the tightest budget wise that you'll have for Super Coach of the year. So every dollar means more than picking up a, an ice kind of seven eight rounds in. You've got more money to play with. Maybe he's dropped a little, even if he's maintained the same. I just feel that dollars are too precious to to spend that much money on that much uncertainty. Yeah, look, I actually feel pretty confident he's going to play 80 minutes on an edge. Like I, I take your point in terms of there is the unknown on whether he does rotate through the middle or not. But I think the, the Tigers have recruited pretty impressively, I have to say. 
and that forward pack from where they were last year to compared to what they're expected to run out with for round one is, is chalk and cheese. Like it's, and I think a big question mark is how he's going to settle in. I mean, Appy Corusal, I think, you know, from not, not so much for Supercoach, but from an actual NRL standpoint, he is easily top three for me as far as actual hookers go. And the way he like his his creativity, his ability to create opportunities for his forwards, like I think he could do really really good things for Ice. Yeah. And I guess the question there is, you know, is he the go to, or does Appy you know click a bit better with some of the other forwards in that team? There's, I think that's the unknown for me. So I do see myself unlikely to start with him. I'll throw in the fact that he's second row forward only now, doesn't have that dual position at this stage. So. That's all, obviously always a bit of a deterrent, and yeah, I just see myself probably going some other better priced options at the in the back row. There's there's a lot of potential, I think, in that position at this stage for 2023, but no doubt we'll look into it in the future. Yeah, he's a nice to have, not a must have for me. Yeah, absolutely. The next name here is Harry Grant. Now he is for me one of the, my priorities for 2023. If I can find the money, I'm going to try put this guy on my team. We love Harry. I mean, he's priced at a 70-70.6 average, uh, a 77.6 average. And, you know, he doesn't have a Brandon Smith hanging over his shoulder anymore at the Storm. Not that he was really posing too much of a threat. But, yeah, I think it's, I mean, his minutes. They were already on the up last year, but I can see them being much more consolidated and provided his body can hold up. I can see Harry playing plenty of big minutes and just being called upon to be a more integral part of that storm side yeah i mean he played 80 in most of uh the games last year but there's enough games where you know he played kind of 55 minutes 63 minutes 70 minutes and stuff like that where just from points per minute perspective um, you're going to expect him to score more i love watching him play he'd honestly have to be priced at a turbo like price tag to to dissuade me from making him the first person on the team sheet i think even though cookie you know, it's 75.2, ended up not that far behind him. I think Cookie's on the on the back nine of the career and the back nine of his super coach effectiveness, and I think Harry Grant's still got a lot more juice in him. So, yeah, first player on the team sheet for me. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. And I guess it just comes down to, you know, can you afford it, basically. So, all right, moving forward, I mean, your favourite player, maybe? <laughs> no, Hero Ball is right here, Joey Manu. 76.2 average, but I guess the question mark is, you know, what did he average playing center? Or what did he average playing 5'8 or fullback or, you know, wherever he wanted on the field, honestly? I, I did. Well, I just think the Roosters got to the point where they were so out of sync for they, they didn't quite have the injury list that they did the year before but um they it wasn't clicking for them and i think robo just gave him a bit of a free roaming role to do what he wanted and certainly gave him a blessing to not pass unless he was wrapped up by three people and uh which is gold for super coach i just don't think it's necessarily sustainable from season to season i mean yeah i, I guess you know He's obviously really a fit and healthy guy, but uh, that much punishment uh, you know, in the NRL is going to wear anybody down. So, yeah, I agree in terms of sustainability. Like, there's there's got to be some question marks there. Uh, but look, I mean, it's hard not to love a guy like that, right? He's just getting his hands on the ball so much, and he just does so much with it. Like, almost every time he's busting at least one tackle, and then you know that eight meter run. It's worth four points, and if you can find an offload at the end of it and whatever, and he, he's making two of those every set, like 
it's just the points are going to rain, basically. Yeah, look, I think um, obviously there were a couple of games um, at 5'8 and fullback throughout the year. Again, just going back on that, what has to go right for him to replicate the form. But but he was a kind of low to mid-50s player for most of his career. Actually, he's gone... 44, 49, 56, and then he did have a 62 in 2021. And I, I think we all kind of acknowledge the inflated super coach scores because of the rules in 2021. But then when most kind of attacking players dropped in their scoring average, he went up by 14 points. And given that he's going to start the year priced at that, the premium on the round one budget, I just can't see him being anywhere near my side. You know, people were a bit itchy about, you know, starting with Brian Toto in, uh, you know, the start of last year because he was considered too pricey as a CTW. Manu's price is going to blow Toto's out of the water. So it's just another level that you'd have to commit to if you wanted to start with Joey Manu. And I just think the volatility of the position means that there's better options until later in the year. Yeah, look, I definitely can see that. And one of the things, obviously, for Izzo is we loved his floor. And I think Manu's got very, uh, very similar uh, base when he gets his hands on the ball that much. So, yeah, I definitely agree. There's a bit of a question mark there, but at the same time, you know, Biza relies on people getting him the ball uh, to to be able to score. Whereas Joey is getting, he's going to get it himself, and then when he gets it himself, he's going to score. You know, a lot of the time. So, I think that's the only one thing I will throw in there. I can see myself skipping him anyway, just because, as you said, the price tag is is significant. Uh, for especially for a center wing, which we all know is the most volatile position. But yeah, I definitely can see, I can see a lot of people still really wanting to start with him. And at the same time, I can't say no, you shouldn't, because yeah, he's obviously really good. Rounding out the top 10 in terms of price tags for 2023, round one, is actually Damien Cook, um, average 75.2, which uh, was good enough for the 10th highest averaging player for 2022. I was actually really surprised by this. I know Cookie did well, and I was seeing, you know, I was just thinking, yeah, he's he's really a lot closer to Grant than I expected. But to, for him to finish actually uh, in the top ten overall in terms of averages, that that's a really good season. Yeah, I think he he started, you know, he started kind of around. I think he had that big ton in round six against the Dogs that convinced a lot of people to get on him, and then he proceeded to to kind of fall off uh, the boil a bit. And by the time he kind of got the the scores up towards the back end of the year, he um, he wasn't necessarily off the radar uh, for a lot of people, but, you know, most people had pivoted to Harry Grant uh, as their number one with like a Rupin Cotter or, you know, someone else as, as the backup. So, yeah, for someone who is a close enough to a legend of Supercoach at this point after this many years of, of being such a star um, he, he was relatively under the radar last year, but I do think, you know, age is going to be a factor. He's in his early 30s and his game relies on quickness. So, again, like Teddy, it's not saying he won't have another fantastic year, but I just think the the really big tons, the the kind of, you know, game-winning, week-winning super coach scores may not be, you know, as regular this year. I think for me it's just the price tag, right? When they're that close, it's hard to not just... And for the extra little bit, it's hard not to just tip it towards Harry. Uh, I think that's all it comes down to for me. And and God knows you're not starting with both, right? So it's a no-brainer to start with Harry. Yeah. I mean, look, we'll obviously go into team structure and stuff in the coming weeks. But, yeah, I can't see myself wanting to have two premium hookers from round one 
uh, even you know with or without cheapies available in that position. So no, you're not happy, Coruscant. <laughs> not at all. But enough about his private life. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Uh, yeah, starting 2023 off in fine form, right where we left off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, look, I think you know that that's probably enough for this uh, little bit of rambling for the first episode of the year. For me to sum up, though, like looking at all these names, you know, Nathan Cleary's well and truly on my list. I think he was actually my first picked for my first draft team, uh, quickly for, followed by Harry Grant. And I don't actually, no, sorry, I, lie. I also have Latrell Mitchell in my team from those 10 names, but that's it. I don't have any of the other options in there at the moment. Weirdly, and I know we often disagree, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it in this podcast, but they are the three that I've got. Kind of as locked in as you can get at this point of preseason. You know, you want to have a gun hooker, a gun half, and a, a gun fullback for super coach. And I think they are the, the better options at this point. It, it would take a fair bit of persuading to, to move me off those three. I think the only one uh, of the other names uh, I could see myself finding in my team might be Cam Munster in terms of that top 10. I honestly don't see myself picking any of the other options as much as, you know, I've always really considered Teddy. And, uh, I mean, I, I love Joey Manu as one of my top five players in the NRL generally. But, yeah, just I can't see myself finding a spot for all of those other guys at this point in time. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I didn't expect that. <laughs> Latrell Mitchell, first pick, hey? <laughs> yeah, well, look, you know, I, I did uh, go against type last year and I was – one of the early adopters once he came back from injury. So, um, and he was a bit of a catalyst for me after my awful start, you know, rocketing back up the overall ranks. So um, not that it helped in the end, but, um, but yeah, look, he's, uh, he's turned a corner and I think it's, if, if he shows up to preseason fit and firing, then there's no reason why he can't replicate it or even do better this year. And I think on that note, uh, with Joe talking very positively about Latrell Mitchell, that's a good place to stop for this week. So, all right. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll definitely get back into a bit more of a rhythm soon. Uh, we're just dipping our toe in at the moment. Uh, once we know a bit more about how and, and you know when we'll be releasing more regularly, we'll let you guys know. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening again. And we'll no doubt catch you guys again soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers.